What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021, and this week's episode, the Paul vs. Woodley preview show. We will be getting into all the fun between Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley in boxing, but first, we'll be recapping UFC Vegas 34, Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum, and some of the big finishes from the night. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Kat Zingano going to court with Halle Berry over the film Bruised, what happened there. Then we'll also talk about Misha Tate, her newly announced fight against Ketlin Vieira on October 16th. And then we'll also preview this coming Saturday's UFC event, Edson Barbosa against Giga Chikatsi, and we'll close the show by talking about Paul versus Woodley in boxing. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my ho- co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. I, uh, I know we have a lot of anime to talk about. I'm not going to pretend I'm not really also really excited to talk about this Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. I know it's not till the end, but I just wanted to forewarn you that I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. Yes. yes, sir. I gotta say, this was a very interesting Saturday we're coming off of, because yes, there was a completely wonderful UFC event, but then you also had some people looking at Manny Pacquiao, you know, yeah. obviously he was fighting, the WWE fan base obviously had SummerSlam, so yes, while I'm trying to tune into Twitter to talk to my people about face-punching violence, I'm hearing about Roman Reigns and John Cena and... <laughs> Um, the do you watch Loki on Disney Plus? Are you a Marvel person? I am a fan of the Marvel movies, but I'm way behind, and so, so and so I haven't seen the show. No, but I know who Loki is. I okay. saw Thor but first two anyway. But you haven't seen the WandaVision, the Falcon Winter no, Soldier. No, man. You know, my friends kept talking about WandaVision, and it just it seems so trippy, and it's like. I don't know if I have time to get into that right now. All good. Well, if fans are listening, that wasn't Brock Lesnar. That was like a Brock Lesnar variant. If you watch Loki, if you see it with the <laughs> man bun and the jeans, I'm like, that's, I mean, that's a version of Brock. I don't know if that's the Brock of this universe, but, you know, good for him. Change it up. It's, you know, nothing wrong with that. So I hope you like your new look, Brock. I, I hope that you wake up and <laughs> it, it just shocked me, dude. Um, but yeah, so, and yes, um, I heard about, uh, my good friend, Mr. Punk on Friday. Good for you, sir, to come back. Um, <laughs> my, my arch nemesis. Your hero. <laughs> yes. Uh, among other adjectives that <sighs> I, he has not, he doesn't deserve, but I put on him by association. Anyway. Dude, I'm looking at this, uh, <laughs> this picture of Brock Lesnar. I had to look it you up. You see what I mean? Let's see what. Hey, you know what? That's he looks better. <laughs> you think so? I mean, I'll be honest. I like that whole short hair with the Viking beard. I thought that worked for him, but you know, this has got a little Viking vibe to it too. I'm digging it. It's got like a hipster Viking. Vikings didn't that. have the man bun like that, bro. Yeah. But um, <laughs> with the tight pants. Anyway, uh, we got some real MMA to talk about because you know. I, I let the WWE people let I let you guys have your holiday. I don't I stay in my lane. Um, about the same time as you know we were introduced to the new Brock, uh, Jared Cannonier against Kelvin Gastelum. Um, I I think the easiest way to bring this one to break this one down is just the simple fact that 
even though there are a lot of offensive weapons between the two of them, Cannoneer's power, Kelvin's speed, and obviously his wrestling, I felt like the two actually fought a very conservative fight for the simple reason that tactically for Kelvin, he didn't want to make too many mistakes where he gets caught with something big, which now that you've seen it, that was essentially his downfall and why he lost the decision in my opinion. And then if you're Jared... Look, he's a very big, very powerful middleweight, but he wanted to conserve his energy a little bit. And I think that he did the right strategy in order to still be fresh enough and keep up with Kelvin going into that fifth round. Because Kelvin put on a great pace, but I thought Kelvin fought very well. I know that there was a lot of talk and, you know, how Jared would be coming back. I thought that Kelvin was moving very well. I liked the amount of kicks that he you know was throwing as well to mix up his attack surprised he didn't go for as much wrestling but to Cannoneer's credit he defended the attempts throughout the fight pretty well and then really uh, I think what it came down to Natalie is that Jared's more powerful and even though he landed fewer shots they were just the the damage was just more telling he had the knockdown I believe it was the third round And then the fourth one, he caught Kelvin coming in on the takedown, so it looked like he rocked him, but I understand that that was not ruled what we would call a knockdown in like a boxing or traditional sense, but the fact is the shot looked good in real time. And um, I think it was just a couple extra punches here and there that really got the job done. I do think that Cannoneer played it a little... He played it a little risky. I felt like he really should have... Turned up the heat a little bit a few times there, but for the most part, uh, I think he did a good job just not really making too many mistakes. I think that he did a good job um, keeping the damage he took to a minimum compared to what he was able to get on Kelvin. What were your thoughts? Okay, I have serious thoughts. I really do. But my first thought at the end of the fight was, oh my God, Jared Cannonier is really sweaty. Like, supremely, profoundly dripping with sweat in a way that... I mean, we're watching a lot of MMA. I've never seen anyone that drenched in sweat. It was like he was playing an NBA game times two. I was really stunned by that. No one said anything about it, but it caught my eye, of course. And I'll put that aside now to say he did. A, he he performed great. I think he had more, more, more combination, longer combinations. Calvin and that really awesome one-two. He still has it. His footwork is fine, but he has better. And you said the word pace is he's always bouncing. He's, you know, he's, he's pushing the action and that he's always moving. He's not necessarily pressing forward, but he's always moving around. And so it gives the impression that he's more active uh, as far as offense goes. But, but I feel like, you know, I just, the more I looked at it, I don't think he was, he's kind of, uh, simple is the only word I can think of now, but that doesn't sound complimentary. Um, it sounds, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to diss him, but I'm not. He's just uh, less. Um, he just has. He just. He just uses less off. Like less. He has, he might have all the tools, right? He might have all the tricks in the bag, but he doesn't use them all. And so it looks like he really just has a few moves, and that's kind of what he sticks to. And, you know, he throws the one-two or the two in the hook, and that's kind of it. And so Jared Cannonier, on the flip side, he can throw one extra punch in the combo or just has a little more pop in the punch, and it makes a bigger impression. 
to anyone watching. So I think that's what was that that one cannon of the fight. Of course, the the knockdown and there was like a head kick, unchecked head kick, towards the end there. Um, yeah. So it 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 was more about optics. If you're just looking, and if you're really looking deeper, you can see that it, that it's optics supported by actual, you know, offense. So that Jerry Cannonier just has more offense than Kelvin Gastelum. I will say, I was happy to see Kelvin Gastelum coming out fast, sharp, excited. I feel like I haven't seen that in a while. I was worried, you know, what's he gonna, how's he gonna look in this fight? What is it gonna mean if he doesn't win at the end? Is he gonna be a gatekeeper? I'm not quite sure he's gatekeeper status yet because he put on a good fight. But, you know, it is another loss for him. And I don't think he's going to be able to circle his way back up to a championship title shot. I think, you know, he had his run. That was the peak of his career. And I think now he's going to be, you know, circling the top five, maybe top seven for a while before he gets that that like you know gatekeeper to the to the top 10 status so it's still a few fights away for him from for him yeah so to bring that up with kelvin i want to acknowledge and i forgot this myself he's 29 years old and and i know that feels like forever because i think we remember you know clean shave you know ultimate fighter kelvin and now he's you know teen wolf kelvin with the beard and the hair but um I think that what we saw, uh, when I look at where Kelvin is at right now, I do think that one thing is just kind of going to be unavoidable when you talk about him and when you assess him. He has now fought four out of the top five guys. Adesanya, Whitaker, Cannoneer, Till. And by the way, the number five, Marvin Vittori, is his teammate at uh, King's MMA. They're not going to fight each other. They've been very, you know, vocal about that, said, uh, you know, that... That's not something on our radar. When I look at Kelvin, I thought, uh, I'll take the Till fight and even the Hermanson fight out. I feel like, okay, he did not perform the way we expect Kelvin to perform. Now we've seen five rounds against Adesanya, Whitaker, Cannoneer, where he, for all intents and purposes, he moved really well. I think when you look at Kelvin, because, and I get it, he was so close, he pushed Adesanya to the limit. When I look at that top five now, that is now a lot of evidence that those guys are now firmly at a level ahead of him. Now, was he competitive? Were those blowouts? No. Those fights were a lot harder than Jared and Robert made them look. But the fact is they did, you know, really get the job done. Robert Whitaker, especially earlier this year. So when I look at Kelvin, I will say this. Do I think he's still a handful for... You know, that top 10 of the middleweight division any given night right now? Absolutely. Is he still young? Absolutely. What I will say now, he is in that weird position. Do I see him making it back up there? Completely possible. Look at Charles Oliveira. What I will bring up, and I say this with the most respect for Kelvin, can he still be a handful for those guys? Yes. Is there a possibility where he might explore free agency down the line? I'm going to say something that's not necessarily out of the question. And I'll say this. I could see him having a kind of Ryan Bader type of resurgence were he to jump to a Bellator. He's young. He's competitive. He's got the name value. He's got so much experience behind him that if someone were to offer the bag, a PFL or Bellator, 
I can't say that I rule it out. Because right now, yeah, I will say he's got a very long climb if he wants to get back to talking about, oh, title eliminators and this or that. I believe this was loss. It was either loss number four out of five or five out of six. Either way, it just doesn't look good, right? So, yeah, that's just where Kelvin's at. He's proven a lot. But I think that when you look at his situation, I will say that he might have some flexibility there now if he stays in UFC I love him against most of these guys I think that it's competitive good he's never been he's very rarely in a bad fight I think the Till and Hermanson ones are the only ones I could think of in recent years it's been a while right he tends to you know be a consistent performer I know he likes middleweight I feel like it's similar to Michelle Watterson maybe and and I get it he's he feels good. We know the weight cut for him was, for his body type to 170 was tough, but I feel like I also saw the stature of Whitaker, Cannoneer, and Adesanya. Part of that was also part of what led to the losses, not always the, you know, the technique and the punches and the kicks. Some of that was just size and athleticism and power behind the other guys. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that's something to think about for sure. Is how much of that is he's just been, you know, for for various reasons, sort of forced to fight at a higher weight class, and maybe if he could have controlled the weight, um, he might have had more success. But I think, I mean, even though he's 29, I almost feel like it's too late to go back down. But okay, then let's look at Jose Aldo and Rafael Rafael dos Santos, who went up and then came back down, and you know. Is it easier for little guys? Maybe. I don't know. But but yeah, that's something to consider for sure. I just think, you know, he's not, you know, done by any means. Is a middleweight no, title no. shot about to happen? No, I'm not going to say all that. But I think that he's a guy with interesting options. Ironically, the easier guy is uh, Jared Cannonier. Because let's be honest, he is about the definition of a sitting weight guy in 2021. So the quickest way to say it. He, his dream scenario, Adesanya beats Whitaker and Derek Brunson beats Darren Till in about two weeks. So we don't have a date yet on the Adesanya fight. But the fact is, if Adesanya wins, he's already beaten Costa Vittori recently. He has wins over Brunson. He, I, I think, you know, they've done a good job this Adesanya Till like social media frenemy thing they got going on but the fact is if Till loses Adesanya will take Jared Cannonier without a second thought is the only one yeah. left for him is the only one that makes sense now ironically let's say that Robert Whitaker were to beat Adesanya well now we have a situation because now I do believe that uh, Cannonier he would have to fight Brunson or Till regardless because now, remember, Whitaker last year already beat both Darren and Jared. So he's now going to be looking at the winner of Costa and Vittori coming up in October. Which I know that's a lot of mental gymnastics but and when you make the chart. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cause, so let's be honest. Arasanya, he wants either Till or Jared. Whitaker will want Costa or Vittori. And all of these guys are in a, are currently scheduled to fight each other. So it's like... Let's be honest, we really don't know. I don't know, Jared. I think wait and see. I did hear him say he wants to stay active. For my money, he's going to fight the winner of Brunson and Till. And I think that um, 
that'll just be it because if Adesanya wins, well, for sure, Adesanya gets somebody new. Um, if Whitaker wins, you've done the best you can to kind of bolster their shot at a second crack at a uh, Whitaker. Or Whitaker just says, you know what, you you guys fight Adesanya if I beat him too, and he fights the winner of Costa and Vittori in the interim. That's a lot of. <laughs> I know. Gymnastics, but I like that you can keep it all straight. That's very impressive. Pretty much, if Whitaker wins, he's going to fight the winner of Costa Vittori. Jared Cannonier is going to fight somebody else. And yeah, then so, if Arasanya wins, uh, Cannonier, by the timeline, he's fighting the Till Brunson winner. So it's going to be a little bit, uh, probably by next, by 2022, he'll have his title shot if he does everything right. Correct. Yeah. I know. Okay. This is one of those times where I wish we were on YouTube so I could <laughs> sketch it <laughs> out, get it Maybe, on the yeah. whiteboard with the pointer, you know? What do you, what do you use? Now I can't remember what they used to call it. The strata, the telestrator, the telestrator. Yes, <laughs> But it makes sense. The fact is, Adesanya and Whitaker have done so much good work that it's like, psh, where do we go? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the undercard. Uh, you know what? Uh, my dude, Ignacio Bahamondes. My man. <laughs> that was just sick i don't have nothing more to add what about you yeah that's that's like i mean those are the kind of things you dream about it's the buzzer beater the nba finals it's the hail mary you know touchdown like it wasn't for a belt but it's just that kind of moment where you're at the very end and whammo you just get a killer vicious knockout like that's crazy i, I almost wish it happened on the edson barbosa card next this week this coming saturday because oh. i, I would have loved for him to have that moment like hey i see you bro i see <laughs> you um so i'm gonna butcher his name and respectfully we only found out about him four days ago five days ago side your kakramanov came in on four days notice so let's say it Trevin Jones was replacing uh, Jesse Strader to fight a different guy on about a, maybe a week and a half, two weeks notice. Trevin's opponent pulls out. Uh, Kakromanov takes this fight. He was in Uzbekistan probably Tuesday. Shows up, gets to the United States, weighs in and sleeps Trevin um, on four days notice. Um, that's just gangster. Congratulations. That was a scary choke out. Or, oh, yeah. You know, well, yeah, because the way he was on his knees and just kind of like falling limp and, you know, Herb Dean had to pick him up. I think it was Herb Dean. Pick him up, straighten him out. I mean, that's that's sick. Like, you really put the squeeze on this guy. Yeah, that was a... I know that it wasn't a high-profile one, so it won't be in conversation likely, but that's submission of the year kind of stuff right there. Yeah, it is. More because of how his, like, it wasn't such a slick, amazing submission. It was great. But what will put it up there in that category is the way his opponent, you know, his body reacted to it. It's just like, holy moly. It's almost like the violence level, right? Yep, yep. Now, I'm with you there. And then uh, the big one, Alexander, uh, uh, I like saying his name and I would like to take my time with it. Alexandre Pantoja. <laughs> Takes out uh, Brandon Royville. Brandon, he's one of my favorite guys to watch, to be honest. Started strong, but Pantoja just kind of weathered the storm and then went to work. Obviously gets the submission. Um, Pantoja's now on a two-fight win streak. He he beat Royville, obviously. And then he also beat Manel Cop, which for people who may not remember, Manel 
May he essentially he won the title in Ryzen, so he was the reigning Bantamweight champion, and vacated the title so he could jump to UFC. So Pantoja has been both of these guys, and the most important thing, he has a draw with Askar Askarov, but he's got two wins already over current champion Brandon Moreno. And Dana White said most likely the winner of this one gets the title shot. So I just want to get your thoughts on that one. Wow, was that was one of those from Tough? I can't remember. I now. think one was Tough or Tough Finale, and then he also fought Brandon later on in just a regular UFC event post Tough. Yeah, I mean the story's there then for that. That that would be the 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 fight to make for Brandon. Damn, yeah. I, I mean, I remember Pantoja for sure. I just didn't realize he'd fought Brandon Reynolds twice and defeated him twice. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of an easy one. Let's go. Yeah, I think that when you talk about, well, who else would there be? Uh, Askar Askarov, who um, I think he went to a draw with Brandon too, but uh, broke his hand. He's out for a minute. Cody Garbrandt, not going to debut at 125 till December, coming off a loss. So, yeah, to me, this is like, who else are we going to talk about? And I'll say it personally, I hope they put him on the MSG card. I know that Pantoja said December. I personally want, I think that Brandon, I want to see him get that shine at MSG. I think that that'll be more fun personally. So that's me. I want to see it in November, but I think I'm good. I think maybe not what we expected at the beginning of the year, but when you look at the division, uh, it's kind of like, I think it makes perfect sense and we got a good story. Um, Let's talk about... Can't argue with you there, man. Right. Um... Anyway, other good stuff. Chuck Congo, he kind of got that buzzer beater finish in Bellator. Kayla Harrison did Kayla Harrison things in Bell- <laughs> Sorry, in PFL. Um, and by the way, with an A-plus uh, handling of the media, which I know made the rounds. Um, the mic the- skills on her, man. That's, you know, she's she's like trying to give the uh, SummerSlam some competition there. Let's <laughs> She's very intelligent, and she can either either or she prepares ahead of time, and so so that's why she can flow so well. Or she's just that you know quick on her feet that she can she can come up with that. I mean, she she's got the persona down. It's like half her, half half you know this like MMA entity. Um, she's she's pretty good at it. I think she's making a case for herself. You know, to the other promotions, she. She definitely feels confident and like she feels like nobody at the PFL anyway has anything for her. So uh, she's she's, you know, her business curve, her business car, her resume, I should say, is getting bigger and bigger. And I I hope, you know, we talked about it last week. I hope there's some big action going on in the uh, in the uh, in the offices of uh, UFC and Bellator as far as Kayla Harrison is concerned. I mean, we find out October. She wins October. It's uh, open season, like, yeah. you know, for real. I think that a lot of things are going to get set in motion, to be quite honest with you. Um, by the way, also on that, everyone kind of said, oh, it's going to be Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, Harrison Pacheco. Pacheco was the number one seed. Mrs. Wait is out of the tournament. So now Harrison is going to fight Taylor Guardado. Completely fine, up and coming, handful of fights. What I will say is we know how dominant Harrison already was against Pacheco and other people. You know, respectfully, it's a tough mountain to climb for Taylor, but she's the one who gets the fight. She gets to throw hands. You know, let's just see what we got. I I think for us, it's going to be more... 
can Harrison really come through? Can she kind of deliver her end of the bargain and look like Kayla Harrison and win that title again, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think a lot's going to be set in motion. I, I always find it funny because uh, Kayla says like, oh, well, what I like about the PFL, you don't have to sell yourself and you don't have to get on the mic. But then it's like, even before, like, you know, she kind of got more open with it. She was always good at it. Like, she, like last, uh, not well, not 2020, but like 2019, she was really good at the mic too. Just not, she wasn't as loose as I would say she is uh, this year when she gets on the mic. So I was like, you know, Kayla, I know you said it's like you don't like it. But truth be told, you're actually better than a lot of the girls <laughs> at it. She's say, a natural. She's a natural for sure. I'll say this. I think if there's anything about, well, you know, people always talk about next Ronda, next female superstar. One thing I will say is that for whatever reason, I feel like less of the women actually really have those genuinely good mic skills. And look, a lot of it's personality, you know, like I don't want Rose Namajunas to try talking like Ronda or Kayla. Certainly don't want that for like Valentina Shevchenko or someone else like that. But I just notice, even on when you look at like a lot of those girls in the conversation, not too many talkers. And I think that's something part of the Kayla Harrison appeal is that she's probably one of the best talkers we've actually seen since Ronda. I want your thoughts on this. I agree. And, and, and what's interesting, though, is, you know, in both of them, there was this sort of like, you know, WWF, WWE quality to the mic skills. Ronda, I think, if you know, when I get a little psychological, was happy to play the heel, but almost as a defensive mechanism. It, it wasn't so much that she was plotting at home to be the heel. It was just that she almost didn't want, you know, if they're gonna boo at me, let it be. Let it be. You know, let me let me make give them a reason to boo at, so that they're you know they're not booing at at Ronda. Ronda, you know, you know, put up this this armor here and let them boo at that. It's almost to protect herself. Kayla is, is very offensive about it. You know, she knows what she's, what she's doing. She knows what she's saying. It's not, it's not a, uh, she's not doing it from a point of anger or aggression, even if it is aggressive talk, you know, it's, it's still like, it's more coming from a place of confidence. Um, and, and that's, that's the difference for me. Yes. They're both great. They're both, um, going to attract, a lot of attention, or, you know, one obviously attracted a lot of attention and Kayla's on, on route to do so. Um, but could Kayla blow up as big as Rhonda? And I think it would be a longer haul for her because, you know, Rhonda had those catchphrases that, you know, whether she planned them out or not, just stuck with pop culture, right? Like the do nothing be. Yep. And the, 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 you know, after Betch Kohea, don't cry. Like, it was all these moments that were really awesome. Again, though, if you look back, it's like there was this insecurity, this vulnerability. I don't see that with Kayla Harrison on her mic, on the mic skills. You see it when she wins a fight. You know, what did she do the first season when she won, like, by decision or something? She cried because she was so disappointed in herself. So it's a different way of, of, of expression, expression on the mic, but, but really interesting. And, yes, of course, as you, as you pointed out, of all the famous and highly successful women in MMA, these two are the best on the mic. You know, whatever you think of their strategies. Um, Rose is 
just very just honest. Like she's telling you exactly what she's feeling in her mind and in her heart. And that's what's beautiful about it. And that's what sucks people in. It's just pure. It's pure. It's innocent. It's honest. But she's not trying. And, and, and I mean, it's a personality, too, with that. I think that um, uh, truth be told, if it doesn't come well enough to a lot of them, uh, I actually recommend against it. For example, I know yeah. a lot of people say Leon Edwards just needs to talk some trash. Uh, I would prefer he doesn't. I don't think he's good at it, which yeah, is just fine. Yeah, good at it, man. It's going to be phony. Like, like Colby has, you know, he's gotten a lot of attention for it, but I still believe he's not good at it. Like he stutters, he mumbles, he 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 he's like trying so hard to remember his his speech. I don't think he's good on the mic. He's successful, but he's not good at it. Like as far as smooth. You think about even Michael Chandler when he won his UFC debut. That was that was a memorized speech, but he delivered it brilliantly. And so it's I mean, like, you know, there's many different forms of being good on the mic. Like you can memorize your stuff and be good, or you can memorize it and be bad, or you can just be a natural or a little bit of both, like Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, it, but yeah, it, it's such go a... Ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, man, all you. It, it reminds me a bit... Um, Muhammad Ali, I, th- I was watching one of those documentaries on like HBO Max, but even he brought it up. There was like, he got it from a pro wrestler and it's escaping me like, oh, he would come in and he would call himself the greatest. And Ali kind of, you know, it's like, well, why don't I do a little bit of this and that? So I, I will say it's all in the delivery because people rip stuff off all the time. Now, there are certain things that just can't be done like... um if someone says, can you smell what I'm cooking? I'm sorry, but you're not going to do it like The Rock. Don't try. Right. But what I will say is like, you know, depending on where you're at, when you do it, how you deliver it. Um, Shaquille O'Neal wins the title and he's on TV and he's saying, can you dig it? And everyone <laughs> thinks he just came up with that. No, that's from an older movie that most Laker fans of a certain age have never heard of. But, you know, because he was so popular and he said it at this moment, he kind of, they kind of think he came up with it, right? I think that that's the difference between guys like Colby and Chandler compared to, you know, Ronda has it. I think Kayla is very proficient, maybe not quite there yet with her stuff. And part of that might just be the promotional machine of PFL compared to UFC, which, you know, let's be honest, Ronda was just so in in our faces, like... The story of her, oh, my mom used to wake me up and make me defend arm bars. I felt like yeah. <laughs> I felt like we knew that the way people know M- Michael Jordan was cut from the high school basketball team. You know, it was just like, oh, the legend grows, right? So, but yeah, I mean, point being, um, October 27th, that's the final. The featherweight uh, finals are this coming Thursday. So that'll be another one. Some of the guys to watch, Brendan Loughnan. And others, so that'll be on Thursday. And Natalie, so about last week it comes out and everyone's been excited since Valentina Shevchenko came out with the red hair and she's best friends with Halle Berry and she's gonna be in the movie and it's an MMA movie and Halle Berry's doing MMA, this is awesome and... I see the ad, it comes out, they're, they were at Invicta, they shot it at Invicta, it's all this Invicta branding, so there's a lot of just girl power, 
MMA isn't going to get on Netflix in a great way. Everyone's excited. And then Kat Zingano just flipped it all on its head. And I got to say, <laughs> I felt I had some feelings because I was like, the timing is not a coincidence. So to break it down, because, uh, you know, I know we have a few things to we want to talk about. Um, Kat Zingano essentially said she talked to Halle Berry, who offered, who said, yeah, I got a role for you in the MMA movie Bruised. Kat Zingano was still in UFC, so this is about 2018 to 2019, said, oh, I got a fight offer from UFC. Halle Berry says, Kat says Halle advises her, hey, don't take the fight because if you, essentially, if you get cut or bruised up, you may not be able to be in the movie anymore because we need you to look like, you know, pre-fight you before maybe yeah. post-fight you. So Kat, okay, I'm not gonna, I, I'll, I won't do it. I won't, you know, this is a big opportunity. UFC, subsequently, well, you don't want to fight. Okay, we'll let you go. Releases her from her contract. The time comes to do the movie. And Kat goes to Hallie and Hallie says, this movie only works with UFC fighters. Not MMA, UFC. So Kat doesn't get to be in the movie, after all. And she's now... A, you know, no longer in the UFC. She has been in Bellator. She's fought, I believe, twice now. Um, she's very likely to fight for the title against Chris Cyborg next. But Kat now comes out as all the talk about the movie is coming out. She brings it up. She's suing Halle Berry for damages, saying, I lost my UFC contract and I was promised a film role. You know, a lot of stuff going on. I've done some homework, and even though it's not in writing, legally, you do have a case if someone has offered you something like this and given you their word. And so we could see a very, you know, it might get, I don't know what's coming up in Halle Berry's movie, but it could get uglier in the court than it does in Bruised. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have, I have a lot of feelings about this. My first reaction was, oh, that's why Katsunganu couldn't fight, um, you know, in the UFC. And, and she kept saying, oh, there was some other commitment and I couldn't do it. And, and you know, I got cut or whatever. Because I, I kept wondering, what the heck on earth would be so important or could be going on that, that you wouldn't fight? Okay, so it was this. Katsunganu to me seems like a very truthful, forthright person. Uh, no BS, right? Like she has no reason. She's been through a lot. She has no reason to to make stuff up. She's not going to be putting her hand out for charity, you know, t and lying to get some. So I believe her. I believe that it went down the way she describes that, you know, she got word from Halle Berry, don't fight. You're going to, we want you to stay, uh, you know, in a certain condition for the fight, blah, blah, blah. Here's where it kind of gets tricky. I'm thinking Katsungano maybe doesn't have a manager, right? It seems like somebody who would have asked the right questions and made sure that things were were locked in place wasn't around. Katsungano probably isn't familiar with all the things that needed to be checked, but like some kind of guarantee that this role is yours or at least some kind of conversation about like, hey, you know, my career at the UFC is at risk if I you know, don't take this, this last fight. So can you guarantee I'm going to be in this movie? Or, and then if, if that conversation was had, hopefully Halle Berry or someone on her team could have been like, Oh, hold up. You have to be a UFC fighter to be in this blah, blah, blah. It just seems like the interaction, if it was really just between Halle and Kat was too small. It was too simple. It was like, 
don't do it. You know, don't do the fight. You can't be in the movie. Oh, okay. And then I won't be, I won't do the fight. And, and now we have this mess where poor Kat Zinganu gets released. Then she can't be in the movie. Um, yeah, like I said, it seems like she just didn't have anyone in her corner that could have asked the right questions. And so regardless of that, I think it's fair for her to say, hey, Halle Berry, like you cost me some money because you set me up in a way that then you couldn't back me up. You set me up and you couldn't back me up. And look, it doesn't matter that I went on to sign with Bellator because I'm asking for compensation for this specific period of time in my career. So I don't think it's going to affect the movie or anything. You know, Halle Berry probably has her lawyer trying to figure it out right now. Or the production, uh, you know, whoever, you know, they, they do like a, uh, corporations for the movie so that the the person financing it or, you know, Halle Berry herself isn't on the hook for any of this. Um, so I, I bet it gets resolved. I bet Kat gets some money. I don't think it's going to get dismissed or anything. But it just kind of sucks that she fell through the cracks. And I think it's maybe a lesson to her to just be more... Um, not professional, but like diligent, like do your due diligence and, and make sure that you're not just, you, let me back up and say, you can't just take people's words for things when it comes to employment. You got to get it in writing. And I think that was the the big mistake here. And um, I hope she gets compensated. That seems like the right thing to, to, to happen for the right outcome to occur. But um, I mean, you never know with these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to hear Halle Berry's side of it. I think we'd all love to just like, hey, you know, just did you say, I know, we know what it looks like and sounds like. It's horrible. Um, and yeah, I think the fact that Kat has a case, like you said, I think it's going to get resolved. Um, like I said, it's not a coincidence. Uh, this is the time to get attention because now there's the court of public opinion at a time to help Kat's case. I think that had she just brought it up randomly, people would be like, wait, what? But because they're going to try to promote the movie as it comes out soon, this is the perfect time to bring it up. Um, from Kat's point of view. Uh, I think once again, that's a good... I understand how difficult it must be. You don't want to be that person like, oh yeah, we're cool, we're friendly. And it's like, um, I need you to write this down. Now suddenly all that friendliness, now it turns into business. I think a lot of people have been there at some point. It gets awkward. Suddenly, you know, we're not as jovial and as maybe friendly and free and casual as uh, we'd like to be. You know, now it's suddenly like, oh, wait, do I need my lawyer here to write this out and write this down for us? I understand Kat was probably in a awkward spot like that. But once again, I think that if all this is true, well, it certainly sounds like it should have been done now, shouldn't it? So uh, I'm just interested to see it. Um, I do think that they will try to get this resolved before the movie comes out. I think more telling, and this is now more for speculation, but when we talk about Kat's career, so she was at Featherweight. In UFC, which, let's be honest, you're always one fight away from a title shot at featherweight in the UFC, right? But when I look at it, I think that that's something very difficult to quantify. Because if she was like, well, hey, they were going to let me rematch Megan Anderson. And if I beat her, I would have gotten a shot at Amanda Nunes. 
you know, that's a pretty big fight. That's a UFC pay-per-view, a lot of exposure, a lot of money lost. Um, How much of that what-if are they going to weigh? I don't know. I think that um, my my point being is that if there's a case people are going to uh, people talking about how much I would have made in UFC compared to Bellator. I, I'm very interested to see how uh, and sadly we may not know, but I, I find it interesting how they might try to quantify that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is a tricky one. Um. It's sort of a tricky one, but, you know, it's kind of easy if you do a little digging to see that the division, like, you know, 135, 145, either one of those, like, it doesn't take a whole lot to get a title shot with Amanda Nunes because she beats everybody. And if you're a big enough name and you have, you know, one or two wins, then there you go. So... I mean, like, you you could just be on you know one win. I should just be her. I should just be her her lawyer. So I, I think. I think you'd be perfect. Uh, judge, there you go. There you go. She could have won one. You're, you're on. Your honor, I got this. <laughs> I got this, your yeah. honor. Come here. But, um, Check this out. <laughs> it it'll be interesting developments for sure. Yeah, I I I you know I hope for cats and God's sake that that she doesn't just get you know swept under the rug. Um, but yeah, you, you point out something which I didn't mention, which of course we have to hear the other side of things and, and we'll wait to see how this, how this shakes out. I mean, like I said, wait and see. I hope we get some resolution. I hope it's not just like at the next media day. Oh yeah. Well, I handled that with Halle Berry. It's like details, but well, you know, if she gives her money, she probably have to sign a non-disclosure. I so, know, yeah. but I don't like that. <laughs> okay. We want and the news. I want the tea. But um, <laughs> next news story, uh, the probably the biggest fight made in the last week. Misha Tate's coming back already, October 16th, against Ketlin Vieira. So obviously Misha came back in July, had that successful victory against Marion Renault. Ketlin has alternated wins and losses. You'll remember she was kind of on the cusp of a title shot, but now she did add that setback to Irena Aldana. And then in February, she lost to Yana Kunitskaya. Um, very just... Uh, so here's... I have two thoughts about this. So um, first off, I, I know there was talk about, you know, Misha versus Aspen Ladd. And I like that fight personally. So here's how I feel. If this is indeed Misha taking the long way back to a title shot, I respect it so much. I love it. I think, you know what, you know where you're at, you know where you need to be, you're taking the right fights to get, make sure you're back there. Okay, because I think you be, uh, Marion Renault was on a four-fight losing streak, I believe, or three. Mm-hmm. three. Ket- Ketlin struggling to get back up there a bit, ironically, a win over Kadzangano, and uh, I think before her setbacks. If you... Now, if let's say off of the back of these two particular victories, we were to see Misha fight for the title next, I would just, I would just have a lot of feelings, because I think it's like we have Holly, Jermaine, Irene, Aspen. I, I just like that's four people who I will just say are ahead of her right now that she did not have to fight to get the title shot. So. 
I would feel it in a different certain way. Like I said, if it's about building the long way back, I like it. If UFC were to expedite it, I'd be like, come on now. But that's how I feel. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it at that. Thoughts? Well, yeah, you bring up some good points there, right? Because she's Misha Tate, man. She's Misha freaking Tate. I know. Um, but still. <laughs> but, but, like, okay, here's the thing. If you're a real fan of Misha Tate, which I think we both are, not only does it make sense when you look at who's above her as far as fairness for the other fighters for Misha not to get a title shot right after, let's say, she, you know, let's say defeating Kelly Vera. It's not fair to one, two, three, Jermaine, Holly, Aspen, Irene, number four, Juliana, if she gets her title shot, I guess that's, that's going to be the first one up anyway. Yana's pregnant. Okay. So it's not fair to them. That's one. But two, it's not fair to Misha either. Like, you, you can't just throw her into the Nunez pit right away. Two fights in the UFC, it's not enough. And so if you look, you know, either way you look at it, fairness to Misha or fairness to her peers uh, ranked above her, it just, it just doesn't add up. I don't like it. So let's go slow and steady. Now, slow and steady in the UFC and the 135 female division might mean Misha just has to win three fights instead of two. But three makes more sense because of how things are spaced out. And, you know, Nunez, for as much as she says she wants to defend both belts, does really not do a lot of defending. Um, at least that's how it feels lately anyway. So it'll still take a while, even if, even if let's say, they decide three fights will do it. But two is not enough, man. It's just not fair, like I said, to either side. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way to put it. I think that's very well said. i got none more to add. I think that um, I'm interested when are they going to rebook Amanda and uh, Juliana. I think that, um, uh, look, I, I think that things could really be set for a shakeup. I mean, we talked about Kayla Harrison. To me everything's kind of lining up that it's like look either we're about to have a vacant title at 135 145 or both just you know i feel like the dam is just about to break because i think at this point amanda is dangerously if not already lapping the field so oh yeah like so double lapping but before you move on i have a question go ahead yana kuniskaya when did she fight? Like two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Was she... Pre- okay, yeah. can I bring this up? <laughs> oh, my God. So she doesn't have a six-pack when she posts that photo. And we just assumed that means she's pregnant in that photo? Or like that she... Uh, that's. Uh, I, I. My point is, is that a pregnancy belly? Or is that yeah, just... Yeah, man. She's pregnant. I mean... I know she's pregnant. That's her announcement. But is that... Are we saying that's all baby in there? Or are we saying that could be like she's had a lot of dinners and snacks since the fight she had a big pizza she had a large uh, i'm sorry but that's hut. the first thing i would do eat i don't gotta fight well I'm yes healing. first of all well, yeah you're done with your fight you give eat. me my, give me my cake cookies and carbs you know why are know we assuming it's yeah she said she is i don't know if she said it all the belly looked really big for having just fought it didn't look she didn't look pregnant when she fought. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. She didn't look that kind of pregnant. And it was only like a week or two out of the fight. So maybe she was sticking her tummy out. She had she had to have been, or she ate, yeah, like 30 pizzas. 
because they don't grow that fast. That's what I was saying. It's <laughs> like how do we how do we know it's all baby in that belly she posted? That's all. Also, like, say did she get kicked in the stomach? I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, now, here's one thing I will say, because uh, as I understand it, most pregnancy announcements, you want to wait 10 to 12 weeks because those first few weeks of pregnancy are really so temperamental. Yeah, yes. you got to wait. Yeah, sketch balls. You got to wait till three months, but I think four, four months. Yeah. What, how long has it been since the fight? Six, seven weeks tops? I thought it was like, I thought she just fought like two weeks ago. It was a month ago. It was the McGregor fight. Oh, okay, okay. So July 10th. So Okay, so she was pregnant. I don't think so. I think I think that her I'll and tell my you what, she just she just I think they got excited. Know. I think they got excited and posted. I, I will say this. You know what? Oh, I see. I see. You think it was very early and they just got excited and posted yes. early. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think she was pregnant at the fight. Just going to say it out there. I mean, that's You know what? Look. She wouldn't post it if it I would think you wouldn't post it at the very least if you, like, you know, you get checked up. So, like, everything looks okay. You know, you go post, you know, like, hey, I'm pregnant. So, you know, it's just, it was just funny. It's like, what? I think people just wanted something to talk about, man. I think I, so. I think it's, let's just that, say that, 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 that belly a is not pregnancy and a lot of pizza. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, that's that, that is not all baby in the belly. I think that she looks like most of us do. If we didn't have to worry about her weight, she'd been eating and she knows she'll be hitting the gym soon enough to get rid of it anyway. Well, yeah. not anymore, but still, <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm sure she'll still work out and all that, but not that's, the same. Yeah, that's just like, you know, six pack abs after Thanksgiving. Yeah, six-pack <laughs> abs are going to be a while. That's all. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all that being said, we got two fight nights. Uh, nice and easy, Giga Chikadze against Edson Barbosa. Striker's delight. Edson is coming off the delayed reaction KO of Shane Burgos. Giga pretty much starched uh, Cub Swanson quick recently. This is kind of his breakout fight. This is the biggest name and ranked opponent he's had pretty much in his career who's on an upswing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a uh, it's like is Edson Barbosa gatekeeper status? No, I don't think so. Um so this is kind of like uh you know, Edson Barbosa keep the keep the winning train rolling or for Giga, is it Giga or Jiga? I can't remember. I always right? said Giga. Okay, Giga um, you know, beat the big name, right? So it's it's like a, it's not a knock on Edson, and it's not like, you know, they're sending Giga to the wolves here with like a super like, uh, you know, tough mountain to climb. Not, I don't say that in a disrespectful way, but it's, it's like it's a it's a it's a really nice fine matchup. Two guys that are just sort of circling the same arena of like success and skills and and let's see may the best man win so yeah it's it's a solid matchup personally i think that it really comes down to the defense of both men i look do i think they're gonna crack each other with some beautiful kicks absolutely do i Mm -hmm. think they got the pop and the speed in the hands absolutely Uh, i think you said it best um i think it's about whose defense is tighter and one thing I will say is that's one thing we've seen out of Edson. Every now and then, it's, uh, you know, he's so good and so dangerous and people don't want to stand with him, but he gets hit. And I think that's one thing about Giga is that he's seen, I feel like we've seen him take less damage overall. 
Now, when was the last time you fought a killer like Edson? I'll say, yeah, you got a point right there. But I will say that um, I think that Giga so far, I think his accuracy is just a little cleaner. He doesn't have the horsepower like Edson. I'll give him. I won't. I'll give that firmly to Barbosa, but. I think the clean shots and technique, I think, goes to Chikatsi. And for that reason, he's my pick. I think he's going to have his breakout performance, and I think he's going to deliver another great finish. I know he said he wanted to be in the conversation of the Max Holloways and the Yair Rodriguez, best striker in MMA. Not there yet, but you start putting guys like Edson away, let's talk about it. Oh, uh, I'm going to go first round finish. First round finish for Giga. Yep. Wow. Okay. Damn. You got a lot of a lot of belief he's in gonna, this man. He's gonna set it up. Body kick. Right hand. Wow. Okay. I was gonna go, and I'm gonna stick to it. Um, unanimous decision. Edson Barbosa. Okay. I know. I think he's just gonna be the you know the savvier guy. He's gonna land his punishment when he can, but he's not gonna be sticking around to get to get really hurt. Um, he might get caught up in a couple of, you know, flurries here and there, but, but mostly I think he's going to play it smart and safe, but not boring safe. Like he's going to be active. All right. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay. Well, there we go. That's a solid one. I completely get that. Okay. So either we got to I will say this. I'm surprised that, uh, you're not picking a finish. Cause I feel like that's one of those things. This is one of those fights hard not to see somebody getting slept no matter what. Yeah, there's like a lot of yeah. You can see a spinning back kick uh, knockout. Yeah, there'll be some there'll be some attempts, but I don't know, man. I think Dude. that Edson's gonna stay stay just a little bit on the outside and and just he wants to get a win. They're almost both too good to get knocked out. Kind of yeah, deal. I like how that sounds. I wasn't okay. thinking of that, but that sounds right. Guys, <laughs> it's, like, it's like let's be honest. They're both so good defensively. We might just have a patient fight. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, we move on to Sunday. Oh, Natalie's favorite segment. <laughs> let's. Okay, so we talked about it a little bit. I think um, let's set the scene. Uh, obviously, Tyron is very different from anybody Jake Paul has ever boxed. He is different from any athlete Jake Paul has ever boxed. Um, I think one of the things about this fight is that the Jake Paul experiment, I. I'll say it again. I don't know where we go from here. If it's Tommy Fury, if it's Gervonta, if it's Canelo, I'm, let's not get crazy. I know it's not Gervonta <laughs> or Canelo. But my point is, really, where do you go from here? Are you going to go with... Uh, the, I just am very limited for options. I think that um, it's either a legit contender who's not as big of a name... Or it's another MMA fighter who is just quite bluntly bigger because he's fought blown up welterweights. I think that if we're being honest, Jake Paul probably is a average size middleweight. I think he's just got the height and the build and the back for it. I think Tyron is a little more on the compact side. And yes, he's got a lot of muscle, but still his frame was best suited for welterweight. So I think that when you break it down... You know, Jake's size and obviously the popularity for Tyron. After all the losses he's been through, he's only gone finished in one. But, you know, is he slowing down? Can he overcome? Like how much of that lifetime and experience of throwing hands compared to Askren? Let's be honest, Askren, uh, 
I'm not going to get into that. But Tyron is a completely different kettle of fish. And it's just going to come down to that. So let's break it down. Who do you got winning and why? Okay. Oh, boy. I don't know if I can say who I have winning yet. Okay. <laughs> but I will say this. You're right about Tyron Woodley. Like, Tyron Woodley has used his hands to hurt people in MMA, to knock them out cold in MMA, Robbie Lawler, win championships. Like, he's used his hands well. He's a wrestler who became a striker. Ben Askren never became a striker. And Jake Paul picked him knowing that. Jake Paul is a fan of MMA. He knew who he picked, right? Mm-hmm. He picked uh, the first opponent, well, I can't remember, the Nate Robinson. I mean, you knew you were going to win that one too. I watched All Access the other day. They literally said, we know he was fighting, you know, he wasn't fighting anybody tough. He wasn't fighting any real boxers. We picked them. Like, we know who he, he beat. We're not saying he's beat any great fighters. Okay, at least you admit it. Thank you. Um, and still, with that being said, if, you, if we had talked about this last week, I believe I said, and I would have said, Tyron Woodley, he's got it. He's skilled enough striker. He's smart enough on his feet. He has footwork. He has the heavy hand. The speed is not what it used to be, but it's still there. He has experience fighting someone, you know, with just fists, right? And then I watched All Access, and I thought, you know what? I'm not so freaking sure anymore. (laughs) I saw another side of Jake Paul. Now, is it just part of the act? I don't know. But it was a more sincere side. Um, you know, it was good hype, you know, showing him in Puerto Rico with all the trainers and Amanda Serrano's there and all the boxing. He's got this like charity boxing bullies and, you know, he's doing all these things like he's fully immersed himself in the boxing world, or at least that's the picture that they're, they're painting for us here. And then I go, they show Tyron Woodley and like, I just still see the same look in his eyes that I saw in the last couple of UFC fights, like... Uh, I don't want to call it fear, but it's an uneasiness. It's it's a lack of of confidence. There's something there that's like he's still trying to convince himself. And they sh- they open the all access with the clip of the press conference where where Jake Paul makes the bet about the tattoos, right? I can't remember what exactly the wording is. Like I lost to Jake Paul or something, right? What do they have to tattoo? I don't know if you remember. I love Jake Paul. Um, I love or, I, okay. or I love Tyron Woodley. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like you know, come on. This guy's so smart. He's so smart because who's going to say no when someone puts you on the line in public like that? Like if I told you that, you know, we're going to fight, like you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that bet because if you say no, it's like you don't believe you're going to win. Oh, man. It's just I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Tyron Woodley's head. He's got to defend, you know, his own his own buddy, Ben Askren. He's got to defend his honor, the honor of MMA. Uh, apart from Jake Paul getting in his face and telling him all these things, it's really smart, you know, mind games that Jake Paul's playing with Tyron Woodley. If it was Dustin Poirier on the other end, if it was Khabib, that wouldn't work. Those words wouldn't work. When it comes to Tyron Woodley, I don't know if it's working or not. I don't know if Jake Paul is in his head or not, and that's what worries me. And the pressure of not wanting to be another MMA fighter to lose to Jake Paul. Uh, all that being said, I'm kind of just going with my heart here, and I'm going to say that Tyron Woodley is going to be able to outbox Jake Paul. I don't think he's going to knock him out. He might wobble him maybe somewhere in the middle. Is it eight rounds or, or ten? I believe um, it's eight. I want to say okay. eight. Yeah. So 
even though I say this with a little bit of hesitancy, hesitancy, I think Tyron Woodley's going to get a unanimous or a decision victory. I could have sworn you've been saying Jake Paul for the last like month that we've been talking about. No, no, I really, really, honestly, <laughs> leading up to this one, I thought I thought Tyron had a chance, and I'm telling you, when I saw All Access, I started to doubt it. I'm still a little nervous about this pick, but I'm going to go with Tyron Woodley. I think he's going to be able to just be savvy enough to not get knocked out by this guy. Like it's almost worth making a boring fight to avoid giving this guy another highlight reel against an MMA fighter. So I'm going to pick Tyron Woodley by decision and just hold my breath and hope to God that's (laughs) that's the outcome that we get on Sunday. Oh gosh, this is what it's come to, huh? (laughs) You know what? Um, I'll keep it uh, short and sweet. I think that uh, when I break it down, the build the stature on Jake Paul, I think that's going to be the biggest factor. And look, I I get it. Floyd Mayweather's done work. Manny Pacquiao. By the way, if this was it from Manny Pacquiao, thanks for the memories, Mr. Senator. And by I mean, just (laughs) talk about that. President of a country like the Philippines, and then he kicked that much butt in the ring. I'm sorry, but that's just gangster. I mean, <laughs> put some respect on the name. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but um, I know a lot of people do. But th- my point is, I-, I think that that's the biggest asset to Jake Paul is the fact that he naturally, and, and I know he isn't skipping meals or skipping weights. I know he's going to be just thicker and heavier than Tyron. I think, though, for Tyron Woodley, it's going to be all about the speed and durability. I think that, uh, honestly, even if you get cracked a bit, this is where we're going to see. Is your chin still good or is it not? Because no matter how big Jake is, I know that your career, you if you're all that in a bag of chips, you should be able to avoid that kind of damage. And if you take it, keep on trucking. Because yep, yep. Jake Paul will be bigger. I don't expect him to be that ridiculously bigger. I don't expect it to be more than about maybe about 10 pounds, maybe 15, something like that, uh, when they weigh in fully hydrated. Now, um, do I? could I see just like Jake's size somehow shuts down Tyron? I will also say I feel like Tyron had several cooks in the kitchen. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that is a very dangerous strategy at times. But what I will say right now, every time I think of Tyron Woodley, I'm like, he lost to Kamaru Usman. Look what Usman's been doing lately. Colby, Vicente Luque, Gilbert Burns. They are not Jake Paul. Right. They Jake Paul is not anywhere near that caliber of fighter i don't Close care how to good being he, near yeah not even telling me he beat ben askren a basketball player and another youtuber are you kidding me we're about to start talking like he is a bigger threat than vicente freaking luke no yeah, not a chance tyron woodley third round ko for the win Ooh, oh, i said I would, it oh, man, i, I said so it. much that that's what happens i said it you heard it on mma daily i said it <laughs> The problem child is getting grounded. Ooh. Next week on MMA Daily, it'll be Darren. Just... <laughs> not, not, don't add more. Next week, Darren Till, Derek Brunson. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, that's great. I just want to talk about what happens on Sunday. No, no. Nope, nope. <laughs> what do you like about it? Um, 
Garrett Brunson's interesting. Sometimes he has like really lackluster fights, and then every once in a while he can like knock you out. So uh, Darren Till's more of an exciting fighter, but he's been playing it, I think, more on the cautious side these days in this new division since he he like you know got highlight reeled uh, posterized so many times in in uh, in 170. So uh, important fight, a lot on the line, obviously, as we we're talking about at the start of the of this podcast. With the title, title, title um, results, uh, title shot results here. If you if you win, so yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking about your, <laughs> your you know what your um, prediction. But I, in any case, yeah, I feel like they keep. I feel like they're really they just. I just feel this investment in Darren Till that I feel like very few guys have ever gotten. And look, I get it. He talks a big game. I think they really just want that anchor of UK MMA since Bisping left. Um, and I think they feel like he's just their guy. Uh, Derek Brunson has been so consistent. And remember, this card was supposed to be in London. That was on purpose. So I think that if Derek... I, I'm ex- fully expecting a lot of promotion uh, to be Darren Till-centric. But I just... Um, Derek's got a good. He's not the, an underdog. He's very live in this fight, so we'll be talking about that. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Tune in next week to hear me celebrate this beautiful <laughs> Nostradamus-like prediction. And until then, take care. Have a good one. We'll see you next time.